You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Broadcasting from the Blanchestan Center. This is Phoenix FM. The internet is a communications tool used the world over where people can come together to pitch battle research. According to the Nerd Index, you should be upside down in a junior high toilet around the clock. This is the day that won the battle. Well, good luck! Target is in, target is Never miss communication. My name is Foxy. The balls are in there. everybody and welcome back to nerd to no basis here on phoenix 92.5 fm i have kian with me this week how are you doing kian oh yeah now alphabetical order because it's two of us right i know yeah no i can just i can just say your name it's magical when there's not four of us on a recording podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> it really makes things easy yeah some some behind the scenes stuff like there's nothing like having four people on a zoom call who don't know the alphabet and like all try and go in at the same time. It's like when three people are awkwardly in a doorway. It's with lag. It's magical. All of your diseases, Mr. Burns, are trying to force themselves through the doorway. <laughs> and any one of them can get through. So you're saying I'm invincible. <laughs> no, God, no, the slightest breeze. I am invincible. You see, all your nerdy outrage from the three of you is trying to get through the Zoom call once and it keeps getting stuck. The slightest Star Wars news. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I'm a journalist? <laughs> no, I'm ranting at. Oh, that that hurts. That's that, <laughs> you cut so deep. Oh, we're getting the pain out of the way. Speaking um, of getting the pain out of the way, I believe you have a correction you want to make before we get into the major stories. Yeah, speaking of journalistic integrity, <laughs> <laughs> or what what little we have. Uh, I want to just kind of like clarify um, and make make a correction on what we were on something we were talking about last episode. Um, you should listen to last week's episode. It was a blast. We talked about Power Rangers and Shadow of the Hedgehog, Ace stuff. But we also <laughs> talked about um, the the Jonathan Majors controversy. He plays Kang in the upcoming Avengers movies um, and his alleged abuse, uh, and how the news dropped that his PR management company had dropped him. Uh, Mia Dara had taken that as the assumption that Disney had also were also planning to recast him. Uh, the correct where I want to correct myself in that turns out that is not the case. Disney yes. have no plans to recast him at this time, which yeah, seems like a bold I stance to make because uh, the second season of Loki is still to come out, which you, which you will feature prominently and all that kind of stuff. Like, but like we aren't we do shout a lot of nonsense here. But we do have some standards, and like you know, if if we if we do say something wrong or just given the wrong information, we will make an effort to correct it and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to just wanted because again, we talked we talked mad smack last week. <laughs> He's not out yet. 
I cannot ba- believe that's the most outrageous thing in an episode with Sonic murder. What? No, that's no, it's I, no, outrageous isn't the word I'd use to describe because nothing we said about Sonic and Shadow was slander. <laughs> oh, the everything Sonic there was fact. Self slandering brand. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and speaking of the masters of self-slander, I believe you saw a Nicolas Cage film. I did. I did. I got, I managed, I managed to get out and see Renfield. Um, now, for anyone who's been living under a rock like myself, give us the gist of what Renfield is about. Well, I mean, the bottom line, the pitch is definitely, hey, we got Nicolas Cage to play Dracula. <laughs> I mean, you have my attention. That's, yeah, that's everyone's attention. That was the headline. Um, but the like what the actual movie is about because it's more specifically about uh, Nicholas Holt's character in it, who's right. Renfield. If if you if if you have any familiarity with uh, the original Dracula book, Renfield is one of Dracula's thralls. Right. Um. So this this takes a lot of liberties. It's very modern day. This this isn't a Dracula retelling. Uh, in this one. It's a more modern day Dracula. They're moving from place to place. They don't quite have the big spooky castle in Transylvania. Um, in fact, Dracula has become... Dracula, as you can imagine, a bit of a social pariah. Uh, <laughs> people start noticing when a bunch of bodies go missing and blood gets drained from them, so they have to move around. So currently in Renfield, they are residing in New Orleans. <laughs> yes, yes, that... And it's dark and cloudy place that doesn't get any sun whatsoever. No, it's fine. They're hiding. They're hiding in an abandoned hospital. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So what the movie actually ends up being about is Renfield, who has been under the thrall of Dracula for the better part of a couple of centuries now. um, Realizing that he is in a toxic relationship and trying to find, find the betterment of himself in that. But also... We have Aquafina playing a hard-boiled cop trying to take out a drug cartel. Oh my goodness. It is it a sounds stack. like sketch. Yeah, but the thing is, it, it balances it actually quite well. Okay. Um because it's 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 Renfield who's very down on himself, very in the dumps, uh, sees Aquafina, who is this very um confident, has her morals set straight and like is hardball detective absolutely no corruption right right and he's she's very inspiring to him and kind of and and the story is kind of like him him learning through her to kind of like feel better about himself it's very tongue-in-cheek so is it like uh he's learning his confidence story or is it like a toxic relationship story like what's what's the angle like a bit of both okay but also there's a drug cartel (laughs) (laughs) which like uh like I, it is there's standout performances across the board. Obviously, it, Nicolas Cage's Dracula. If anything, my main critique it is is that it is exactly what you'd imagine Nicolas Cage's Dracula to be. Hasn't he played vampires before? Has he? Well, I remember the, the big meme thing was "I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire" in all of those compilations of Nicolas Cage going crazy. Yeah, but I don't think he was actually a vampire, though. I think oh, my I whole suspect, life is a lie. I suspect that he was just going off on one. Oh, okay. 
But yeah, so like I suppose that is the big question. Like, does does the actual performance live up to the imagined hype around? Oh yeah, no, he eats every single bit of scenery completely. Like, yes. But I think we kind of all knew that. Yeah. When we were going into it. So it's actually, that's what I was going to say is that it's actually, it's a lot of the ceramic performances actually kind of knocked me away. Well, I'm surprised to hear about Nicholas Holt, because I feel like Nicholas Holt is someone who's been quietly doing really well for himself. Oh, like, yeah. No, he's like, 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 he was in the menu at Christmas. Like, he was in the know. menu at Christmas. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's kind of known like wide. Obviously, Mad Max was a smash hit. He was yeah. in looks in that. Um, as being I know, but he's the, never like the headliner. Like, yeah. Apart from like maybe warm bodies or something like that, you know. Yeah, no, he's he's one like that's he's one I always keep an eye out for because I always do enjoy him. And yeah, he, he plays this kind of down on his look person quite well. And again, Aquafina playing a hard boiled detective <laughs> is exceptional. <laughs> but no, the standout for me is um oh what's his name? Is it I think it's Ben Schwartz. Oh, the Sonic actor. So the Sonic actor. Right. He was also... Did you watch Parks and Rec? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Okay. I know uh, he's in it, but I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, he's, he's a character called John Ralphio in it. That's... Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> but he plays... Yeah, this scumbag coke dealer cartel son. And it's just... Like, talking about eating scenery, he is living it up with this wild <laughs> energy. <laughs> So, like, like, is he in the subplot with, with Nicolas Cage, or, like... Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. That is kind of permission to go as big as he wants. Oh, yeah. All of these things. And, like, there is a couple of scenes where the two of them bounce off each other. That is yeah. excellent. But, like, that's... It's the way it weaves all of these things. Like, nothing nothing about it actually feels superfluous. I'm, I'm describing it, and it feels like three different movies jammed yeah, yeah, together. Yeah. But it manages to pull it off. <laughs> um. <laughs> Because, like, I'm getting a picture in my head. You're doing a really good job describing it. But, like, I three, I see, like, okay, Aquafina, big comedy background. Nicolas Cage eats scenery. Like, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog as a drug dealer. Like, Nicholas Holt feels like a, a rather subtle choice compared but that's, to all those. But that's the thing. You need the straight man. Ah, I see. Um, it's secret of comedy. Um, but that's it. So, like, I, I, that's what it is. It is a horror comedy. And it is... Let make no mistakes. It is wet. <laughs> it is it is gory and brutal in oh, the okay. most over the top way. Um. Oh, and some of the fight scenes are excellent. Uh, watching Aquafina beat a guy silly with his own arms. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> okay. Well, then here's my question: Who would you recommend this to? Uh, if you like Shaun of the Dead, this is very. Oh, okay. All right. I'd say so, something kind of in that line. Um, right. And obviously... Because, like, the appeal of Nicolas Cage the vampire feels like sort of a niche thing. It's kind of like you'd have to be kind of in on the joke, you know? A little bit. Like, I mean, as... I, I still have to actually watch it, but as uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent has shown, mm. people will just watch Nicolas Cage be Nicolas Cage. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad he's getting a bit of a resurgence and he stopped doing, like, anything... I, it's, no, I think he's still doing anything. I know, but as long as they're good things, it's hey. Uh, no, it's uh, th- I think the same has stung true as it has since the nineties, where it's just a coin flip. Some yeah. some day, some days you get Mandy, and some days I don't know what's a bad Nicolas Cage movie. I, 
I th- I'm actually... Five Nights at Freddy type film. What? Yeah. Well, no, it's not Five Nights at Freddy's, but like a knockoff, you know. Oh, like, no, like, I don't. Or something like, you know, Frisbee's Funhouse. I'll bring up the name of it now. Because oh, no, this, this is new to me. See, again, I'm actually, I'm, I'm trying to watch more Nick Cage movies lately. Um, okay. Willie's Wonderland. Oh, no, this is news to me. Um, <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching a lot of them, actually. Um, obviously, Mandy is excellent. Uh, Color Out of Space is great if you like. If you're it. looking for a good recent pick, the bear, not the bear, uh, the pig is really good. Okay, that, that a- strangely sincere one about him losing his pet pig and going on a journey to rescue him, and you hear oh. that, oh, that's goofy, but it's actually like really well done. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, it's um, like one of those truffle pigs, like you know, so yes. like he actually needs it to survive, like you know, so it's really oh, wow. artsy, like. And he actually does. He then he brings sincerity to that, does he? Yes, just watch the trailer. You'll be shocked, like. Okay, okay. No, that sounds interesting. As, as I said, I'm trying to kind of get through a lot of classics now as well. Like, mm. over the past couple of weeks, I've watched Con Air and Face Off, which are <laughs> excellent. I've got The Rock lined up next, so I'm having a good time. Um, but yeah, no, Renfield, A+. Uh, part of the cinema going experience also that I want to talk about is uh, they've released... they've we've, a horse that we are going to keep beating, they have started releasing the trailers for the new Flash movie. <laughs> okay, so I haven't seen this. I know the gist that involves Batman. Tell me, tell, take me on a journey. Oh, they are trying their hardest to sell you on everything in this movie that is not the Flash. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, like, because they know that they... Case even before Ezra Miller, like, you know... Went off on one, yeah. Yes, um, the most diplomatic way of saying it. Yes, yeah. So like they really like they have put the focus. Like they can't get away from the fact that it's a flash movie, so they're showing off the fact that there's two Ezra Millers in that movie, which bonkers. But anyway, <laughs> um, but they are really putting Michael Keaton front and forward. I'm gonna say he's gonna be in it for 15 minutes. Tops. Probably, yeah. <laughs> but I think I don't know if it was released or like. It definitely was like big news when they announced it, uh, but Supergirl's going to be in this as well. So they put, um, they have like that's that's something they've just put out there again to be like, hey guys, it's not just Ezra Miller. Please come see this movie. Good news, we've got two Ezra Millers. You can rest easy. But now we've got two Batman's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I see Ben Affleck's in it as well. Is he? Yes. Yeah. Right. I just I. You know what? We, we, we talk about doing things for educational purposes. I'll, I'll stand behind this one and say, you can steal this one. I have not wanted a movie to bomb so hard. But why? In, why do you want this one to bomb? Just for, se- of- for several. So obviously, Ezra Miller. Right. Crazy person. Yeah. Uh, probably should be in jail. The second is Warner Brothers and just their whole business model right now has been trash like what what is uh they're like well for a start there was the whole axing of anime of like cartoons and even deep forming cartoons making them completely inaccessible just extinct like yeah just gone lost media um so there's that there's pushing a lot of um just kind of scummy business practices uh like we we still haven't gotten it here but HBO Max is really serving up several tiers. 
of paid subscriptions that uh, still have ads. Um, all of that, obviously, you know, now that Dara's not here to talk about how bad it was going to be, the Batgirl movie, but hey, you know, they have a streaming platform. How did they make more money burying that? I mean, like, look, just put it out there with Oscar winner Brendan Fraser, like, on it. Uh, like, you know, it's a license to print subscriptions. Like, that's, or not even, like, it can't, it, it still baffles me that it was worth less in the ground. Yeah. Um, that's, or I worth mean, more you can't exactly ground. say it's a quality control thing, because we've seen DC before. Like, but yeah, no, that, and then, you know, seeing things like that, and then coming in and saying, we have greenlit seven seasons of a Harry Potter TV show. Oh, there are the... two, are they? What? I didn't know Harry Potter was Warner's. Oh, yeah. Um, also and... has Ezra Miller attached. This gets better and better. And we all, and like, it's, listen, and like this reading between the lines, they're doing this because the three main stars of the other one are vocally outspoken against the creator. Yes. So, yes, yes. like, it's, they are now, they're, they're also like, they're also trying to bury a bunch of stuff there. So, like, it is Warner Brothers as a company needs to take an L. <laughs> yes. Uh, like, again, but we've talked about the Flash seems to be kind of a, 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 a turning point in the DC kind of cinema thing by the look of things. If, like, that movie needs to flop because this needs to fold. This House we'll of Cards see, needs to fall. I feel like no matter what way it happens, the Flash, unfortunately, kind of wins because if it's big box office smash it launches the next phase of their james gunn led thing and if it fails it's validation that the james gunn led thing is the way to go do you know what i mean like yeah very very likely very likely i mean i'm surprised uh, sam didn't do well that looks really good uh wasn't helped by zachary levi coming out as kind of anti-vax right oh, before the movie thanks. Is there anyone we can talk about who isn't who doesn't come with like ten asterisks anymore? Uh, no, people, humans are flawed creatures. Really, it's is Michael Keaton okay? I don't, I don't know, man. Probably. I hope so. <laughs> it's a wonder we got it. It's a wonder we got this far, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, but speaking of big business practices, uh, Keen, you want to see the biggest movie on the planet recently. <laughs> is it doing well at the box office, the Mario movie? Oh, no well idea. is an understatement. This I movie is... Re- oh, it's the biggest movie of the year. Like, it... I don't think it's broken, like, records yet, yeah. but it is... De- it is running to be, like, the highest grossing movie this year. Okay, because, like, it's no, an Illuminations like, thing. And don't get me wrong, Illuminations always makes money. Hmm. But, like... I always think of them as being quite quaint. It's I'm not surprised it's doing the big box office numbers. Yeah, but you know, it's it's not illumination that's breaking in the people. It's yeah, you know. but if the movie was bad, people still wouldn't go. You know, like yeah. Well, that's. I think it's like you know, I haven't seen it. Admit right. it. Okay. Uh, so uh, yes. we'll, yeah, saw... t- tell me about it, and we'll we'll yes. kind of talk about I, why. I saw the Mario movie in the best way possible. Oh, was in a crowded cinema on the first Monday of the Easter break with my about to be four year old in a cinema full of kids. And that's exactly the room you want to be in because as long as you're not cynical, you want that reaction off the room. Like, okay, you know, and I don't think I want that. Oh, but the excitement though. <laughs> that's too, that's too, that's too loud. That's too I, see, my sister said that too, but I'd much rather that than like a bunch of like kind of pseudo intellectuals going, 
That is no, no, no. I, I think, I think, I, I, I'm, I've got to speak for Dara. I think four people. <laughs> I think, I think, per optimal viewing is you and four other people sitting very far apart from each other, making no oh. eye contact. With Dara having a hot dog. With Dara having a hot dog. <laughs> he isn't actually even seeing it in Cineworld. He just went up to Cineworld to get it and came back. Uh, but no, no, no. It's um, no. My my kid is mad. It's Mario. She has, plays all the games. She can play Mario Odyssey on Switch hours a day. All that kind of stuff. So obviously we had to go see it. And you know what? I was initially a bit nervous because like there was all that anti hype about Chris Pratt and all that kind of stuff. And the trailer like kind of just looked a bit like naff. Like kind of like Illuminations have a style and they kind of plugged Mario into it. But no, it was really, really sweet. Uh, the first 10 minutes is kind of Mario and Luigi faffing around uh, wherever they're from in New York. Like, you know, kind of the usual being chased by cats, kind of stock illumination stuff. But once you get into the Mario world, it is gorgeous. It's a lovely looking film. It's like the character designs really pop and like you see all the levels like kind of acted out in front of you and like, Oh, the score was my favorite bit, actually, because there was, like, loads of little touches from, like, all the different games and all that. Uh, so, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised. I think it was about 90 minutes, and I think that's exactly the right length. Because that- I, would say, I would say about 70 minutes in, I was kind of like, by the time they were kind of on the Mario Kart, so I was like, all right, I get the gist of it. I know how this is going to end. You know what? I think by, by saying that, you have made a better case for me to watch it than anything else. <laughs> I, I, I am here and down for a good 90 minutes. Yeah. I think Renfield was about that 90 hundred. I, I, I advocate bringing back 90 minutes. Like I remember there was a while when the parody movies were big, when 70 minutes were some of the length of the films. Like, nah, that, that, that's scabby. Uh, if, I, if, I, if the ads are longer than the film, you're doing something wrong. But uh, no, not 90 minutes, uh, like really pretty film. Don't get me wrong, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. Its plot is dead simple. Mario and Luigi get sucked into the world. Mario and Princess Peach have to go get Donkey Kong to raise an army to fight against Bowser. Bowser is terrifying, but he's in love with Princess Peach, so he wants to both invade and marry her. Like, it's just, it's all the tropes. Uh, like the the winning kind of ingredients are like the animation itself, the score, and kind of some of the performances. It's like none of the performances are bad, but some really elevate the characters, and some of them are like just what you'd expect. In the kind of what you'd expect, you've got like Chris Pratt, who's fine. He's not like he's not bad. Like you know, he's Chris Pratt. He's Emmett from a Lego Movie. I don't like, know if it's like scathing or just kind of or just such a non-response yeah. but i think that the main thing i've heard about it is that it's such a non-performance you forget it's chris pratt that's that that's i'm not sure i'd go that scathing but yeah it's you kind of do forget kind of chris pratt's in there like you know he's kind of just it's fine he doesn't do the accents they, they get the yeah. accents out of the way early on in an ad in a cute ad Mm. That two plumbers are doing for their like local startup business like you know uh and it's kind of fine i would say similar of like you know seth rogan as donkey kong like it's not bad we know what seth rogan sounds like you know it's fine um kind of and then at the other extreme you've got 
like uh, you've got Anna Taylor Joy as Princess Peach, and you've got Jack Black as Bowser, who like substantially like elevate it. Like you know, like uh, Princess Peach is kind of one of the breakout characters, which is surprising actually, because you think right, Princess Peach, she's either like the hot the rescue rescue me type. Or are they going to make her a cringy, like, oh, I don't need no man? They don't do either. She's, it's okay. a very sincere character who's just incredibly competent. Because that's like, I, meaning, I, you know, I got that impression from the trailers is that like, it seemed like they were like, you know, Princess Peach is the, is the poster girl for damsel in distress. So yes. it's like, I could see an effort to kind of overcorrect in like yeah, the trailer. So they, I'm, glad, I'm glad that it doesn't come off as so far the other thing where it's almost a parody of like no no it's not that at all and anna taylor joy like gives a great performance which i mean look she never again from the menu like she never gives a bad performance but you don't know how people are going to translate into voice acting so i did notice that she was really good in it obviously Hmm. jack black is like the scene stealer. i'm assuming you've heard the song by now have you no i i know about a song i have not actually heard it (laughs) right i won't spoil the too much of it then but i was glad i saw it what was the opening weekend functionally? Yeah. Because I kind of went in blind, not knowing what the surprises were going to be. And like, that was a big one. Uh, yeah. I mean, like Jack Black's really good as Bowser. You can tell he's really enjoying himself. I think the nature of it only being 19 minutes means that like, there's only kind of a few big standout Bowser moments, but they're really good. So I don't mind him not being in the film too much. And I'm certainly glad it wasn't as long as like, I think Sonic 2 was like two hours, 15 minutes. Like, that was a bit too long. Uh, really? I'm actually trying to remember, because I actually I thought the pacing of Sonic 2 was actually quite good. The pacing was quite good, but it was still long. Again, I'm yeah. saying this from having a three-year-old. Okay, like, fair. You know, so you're kind of like, you're kind of watching her watch the film. And <laughs> actually, that's a good point, actually. Is there were several points where she started jumping up and down in her seat. So mm. the movie was working for her. Um, yeah, and like, you know, it's sort of, it's it's really really good until it kind of outstays its welcome a little bit and then it just becomes good you know it sort of mm. falls into being a bit functional near the end but yeah it's i would highly recommend it and not just if you have kids i mean look you've got like they charlie day is luigi you're not going to go too wrong with that and there were actually some good jump scares now and again like one of the best shots in the film is when luigi wanders into a spooky castle and you've got all your luigi's mansion musics and he scares off and he thinks he's safe and then the lights flicker on and off and there's like 10 shy guys all behind him like you know they they use their assets really cleverly they've got one of the star things from mario galaxy being a nihilist like, which, which got no really like look it's one it's the clip that got shared around all the review outlets and stuff luigi spends most of the film in prison and there's this little blue star thing from mario galaxy and like Luigi's like, can we get out? How are we gonna get out? And like this little blue thing is like, death will be a release. Bring on the slumber. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. How creepy. Lovely. Weird. I'm 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 gelling with this. No, I would I would recommend the the Mario movie. I'm not I don't think it's quite as strong as the two Sonic films. Mm. Uh, and I think it's not quite as inventive as like Puss and Boots. Like I was really looking forward to Keegan Michael Key as a uh, Toad. And like it's just kind of once Toad's there, he's kind of like, yeah, I'm Toad. There's no like kind of big arc or something, you know. Okay. It's, it's very pretty. It's not hugely inventive, 
but it is great fun, I would say, especially with young kids. So I, I would recommend it at least. Okay. To be fair, like that's I haven't been super pushed, and also for me, it's there's a matter of like finding a chance to get to a yes, cinema yes. in my county. Uh, yeah. I would so, I would recommend seeing it in cinema because it's such a pretty film. I'd say something would be lost if you watched it on a TV, you know? Yeah, but Evil Dead's out now as well, and I've only got so much time in the day. <laughs> this is true, this is true. Um, uh, but Dan, yes, those, know, we, those, those are kind of our, our thoughts yeah. on Mario and stuff. So, yeah, like... We, we brought it up twice, but the menu's what? a really good movie. What, what's a really good movie? <laughs> the menu... <laughs> Yeah, we, we we mentioned it twice, just kind of by happenstance. But I'm just thinking about it. That movie ruled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, that and Top Gun on the streaming services, and like see how they run and the Banshee. Like you know, I mean, it was kind of a post lockdown Christmas was dish streaming wise. Oh, and the the Knives Out thing. If, oh yeah. If a whole bunch of good films going up on streaming is the new norm, I'm here for it. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, if I don't have to leave the house, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll tell you what then. Like, um, will I super quickly do the Doctor Who thing before we jump into all of the card? How much time do you have left, actually? Uh, like half. You know, ah, take, no. take as much time. Kian, you went to a Doctor Who convention. Please yes, tell us. This is, all this is my Mecca. This is, I've been called <laughs> Oh, even though I'm not English. Uh, no, it's, uh, I just want to give a very quick shout out to, um, uh, this lovely Doctor Who convention that I went to in Gatwick. It's I make no secret of the fact that Doctor Who's my favorite thing. The, the wonders of audio doesn't capture how much Doctor Who merchandise is surrounding me. And uh, some of it, some of it is load bearing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was hosted by the Doctor Who Appreciation Society. I think it was called uh, Gallifrey One, Outpost One. Unfortunately, the name keeps changing around depending on what kind of sites you go to. But uh, yeah, no, it was really good. And like, it's funny actually, because earlier on the show back in January, I was talking about how like we went to Megacon and Megacon was really nice because it was a smaller one than Dublin Comic Con. This was even smaller again. It was sold out and still there was only about 200 people. Oh, wow. So, and there was about like, 20 big guests as well so like the experience was that we everything was in the hotel you were staying in which was right near the airport as well in Gatwick like so um basically the deal was that you know you booked into the hotel and throughout the Saturday and the Sunday there were talks which were free and you got to like and they were themed around different eras of Doctor Who there were loads of like kind of artists selling their things very rare merchandise and like uh, you could get your photo taken with all these Doctor Who stars and get your things autographed dirt cheap as well uh, like right. 15 pounds for an autograph like you know like which yeah you, no considering like Comic-Con prices that's very yeah. reasonable yeah and you get two autographs free with your ticket so I came with the family we got four free like you oh. know so, but the main thing was that, like, again, compared to the Dublin Comic Cons, where you have to, which no, no diss to them. That's we love it. Like, you know, we we go, it, it, we go on our pilgrimage twice a year to it. But like, it was a really nice experience, especially considering my wife's pregnant and we had a about to be four year old with us. Of just being able to go upstairs and downstairs, and no queues were longer than like ten minutes. And oh, great. Everything was right nearby. 
all the talks were free, we were able to wander. And there was this really nice intimacy feel to it because there were so few people there by design. Like, you know, like you would go up and like, um, just to kind of put it in context, most of the actors there were from the classic series, like, you know, uh, canine Leela actors, like the actors from the 60s were there. Katie yeah. Manning was a big famous one. Uh, the Stephen Moffat was there. Like, oh, you know, really? Yeah. Stephen Moffat was there giving a talk. Like, you know, you got to meet him. Like, you know, wow. uh, yeah, which was class. Like, you know, uh, can't say Irish name to save his life, but still, great man. That's um, hey, man. You can't expect everything from the Brits. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, but no, and there was this lovely just feeling of mellow, like, into, like you could just kind of wander down and see what was going on whenever you wanted. And the really good bits were like the in-betweeny bits because, you know, you'd meet the actors and you get your autograph and you have a chat. It's like, oh yeah, that's not my usual experience. But then afterwards, like everyone just kind of hung around and you would like go to the bar and just like chat with people and discover that they were really famous. Like I just <laughs> sat down at the bar and got chatting to people and it was three of my favorite Doctor Who writers. Damn. Like, like that's an experience. Like, you know, like I met like you, I can't remember. Have you seen the modern series? Like, you know. Uh, up until about the start of Capaldi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well then, like Robert Shearman was just in the bar chatting to people, having drinks and stuff. He's the writer who wrote the Dalek episode with Eccleston, you know, where they're having yes. their face off. Yes. Like really, really big name actor just having like a chat with two other writers from a show. And it's like, you just sit down and it's like, this is a brain trust. This is an away day. I'm not supposed to be here. That's like, yeah, like it doesn't, it, like it sounds less like, you know, what we would know as a convention typically. Yeah. And more like, like a conference almost. Yes. Like, something that is, like that is less of like, it's, say it, like, it uh, feels very exclusive. Like it doesn't feel exclusive like, the way to put it. Yeah. yeah. And everyone there was very friendly because it was too small for you to not be friendly with each other because you're around each other all day. You know, like uh, Katie Manning, who was the companion from like the 70s, like I was basically explaining to her that look, my wife, she's pregnant. She wasn't able to come down. So she got on the phone with her. <laughs> like got on the phone and said, look, I'm not here. Like, you know, just like, like so there's only like 20 people behind us. They've got time. Like, you know, <laughs> sure. Let's, let's give the experience. Put, put them on the phone. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Why not? Like we went, we, we, we splurged on like a big group photo with like all the stars. And I met the, again, the actors from the sixties who played uh, Jamie and Zoe, like, you know, yeah. uh, and like I said, Oh, look, my, my kid and my wife will be down. And like, we went to the photo, they remembered their names. They remembered ah. facts about what they liked and that kind of stuff. And like Prim ran into their arms and all that kind of stuff. Like we were at the bar and the actor who, do you know K9, the character? Yes. Yeah. Yes. The actor who plays K9, does the voice, is John Leeson. And he's like a proper like theater actor. We were hanging around at the bar having lunch, just be like, all right, we'll go check something out. He just comes and sits down with us and has lunch. <laughs> like, <laughs> Really friendly guy as well. Like, yeah, we bought him. So we bought him some Merlot, like you know, and just had a chat. And like, but then the fans there were also fun and very well meaning. Like, there was this Dalek wandering around. It was like a self-made one, and it like chased my daughter around the place. Like, I got it to record a message, and then like um, later on, I think uh, Prim, my daughter, was coming out of the toilet, and it was just there, <laughs> like you know, and it went hello. And then, like, she ran off and, like, you know, uh, my wife took her into, like, a different room. And it's like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. The Dalek can fit in there. And then it goes, <laughs> I can totally fit in there. <laughs> like, you know, that kind of stuff. 
So, like, yeah, it was. It's definitely. It was one of the best con experiences I had because it was so mellow, and there, it didn't feel like you were under time pressure necessarily. And which, you know, an event which has the likes of like Stephen Moffat and the Doctor actors and like people from the show and all this kind of stuff. Like, you could just wander around, and there wasn't this like feeling of like hierarchy. Obviously, like you'd have to be careful in an environment like that. But people didn't push the boundary a bit. But that wasn't the experience we had. And it's it's honestly going to be hard to go back to the normal Comic-Con thing now where you're queuing <laughs> up to, say, 10 seconds to Robocop or whatever, you know, but <laughs> haven't had this experience. But yeah, it was fantastic. I would highly yeah. recommend it. Like, I'm glad because like I'd hear something like that and my brain immediately pictures something very snobbish, like with something that kind of small, like very exclusive, very uh, hoity-tighty. Yeah, well, I, mean, I paid a, like I yeah. paid a lot of money to be here to be very close to, but it does that like it sounds very accessible and again very welcoming is like yeah, like I mean like I mean like the people who were at this were the kind of people who'd been coming to the conventions probably like thirty years yeah so like you know you would get the odds like uh, oh who's this famous person at the table like what you don't know the director of the Keys of Marinus <laughs> yes, I do now. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Whatever you say, boss. It wasn't like, it wasn't like elitist. It was more yeah. like, wow, you're on a wavelength. I could never imagine <laughs> existing. And that's not bitter. That's just like, oh, there's a Frank, Frankly, yeah. I'm impressed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, so it wasn't like, there wasn't like gatekeeping. It was just, you realized, oh, wow. I thought I was the biggest fan, but there are people <laughs> leagues beyond me and I'm happy for them, you know, like... So yeah, I would highly recommend it, and I it's I don't think you'll ever get something like this for like a Star Wars, for example. Maybe Star Trek, because sometimes they do Star Trek era events where they like make a big deal out of one actor or something. Yeah, like, I like I, I I've been to a couple of international Star Trek conventions. They've been big. Yeah, like, well, well, I was going to bring that up with you because you went to the big like was it a European Star Trek one? Like, uh, I've actually been to three. Oh, there you go. I think there was the there was one. The big one in London uh, had the five captains, right? And then, and then I went to two in Germany. But that's what I mean, though. It's yeah. like ten poles and tables. Where that would have been one of the big ones, where you'd be like queuing all day to meet Quark. That's it. Like, like it was kind of deal. Like you know, like that. Yeah, no, these like the ones I went to were definitely more on like the scale of of a Dublin Comic Con. Like, yes, yes, you yes. would go in crowds of people and smash the convention center, and you'd be queuing all day. To spend 50 quid to go see Shatner. Like, that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but, like, which, you know, it's fair. For, like, they were great experiences, but, like, they were not nearly that small. But I think Star Trek has the potential to have that kind of intimate. It's, it doesn't have, like, the triple A blockbuster. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, sign yeah. that, like, a Star Wars or a Marvel does, but it's still big enough. Like, it's, it's definitely got the cult following. <laughs> yeah. Like, Doctor Who is, like, Something I realized attending this convention, which mm. is like Doctor Who is small enough, even now, that these kind of things can exist. Yeah. Star Wars is too big and Star Trek, and so is Marvel. And Star Trek's kind of in that sweet spot in the middle. Yeah. Like, you know, because as big as it gets, it's still staffed by like, you know, people from random bits of England who like, you know, did theater before and went back to it afterwards. Like, you know. That's it. I think Star Trek, it, Star Trek, you could probably, like, you wouldn't get something like that with any of, like, the captains or any of the bridge crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, if, yeah, if you got, if you got, like, the actor that played Quark. 
Yes. But like, yeah, no, you could probably get him in a hotel, like a hotel commentary <laughs> and have 200 people. Like that's, yeah, like Star Trek could scale down to that, but it would kind of, you wouldn't have any of like, uh, any of those big stars. You wouldn't have a Patrick yes. Stewart. Yeah, like to put this in context, like the next Dublin Comic-Con is featuring, I think, three of the stars of Terminator. Like, you know, that's mm. like big, big stuff, you know. Like, uh, like that's cue all day and wear a big armored costume type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Doc- Doctor Who's kind of always had that culty aspect to it where everyone knows it, but it's not like, but it, it's so um, predominant in kind of in the culture, yeah. but it's not everything. It's not one that everyone goes out of their way to go and actually search. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Everyone's always kind of aware of it, but they don't know, like, the ins and outs of it, you know? Yeah, like, that's it's big enough where, like, you know, there's a significant reference in it in, like, community. Mm. Yeah, exactly, Like, if, yes. if you're kind of in a room, it's like, how many people have actually watched it? And especially how many people have watched the original run. <laughs> well, since we brought up Star Trek, actually, have you seen the finale of uh, Picard yet? No, I'm way behind. Like, I'll put it this way. I have the last thing I watched that was Star Trek was Deep Space Nine. <laughs> oh, oh, you're Wait. property far back. Uh, yeah, I, like I've watched some of the new stuff, but it's um, I'm like I, I'm trying to kind of catch up on a lot right. of things, right. and I haven't gotten a chance. Like I mean, to, I've heard the third season of Picard was great. Mm-hmm. I've heard I watched the first season of Discovery. I've heard nothing but good things as it went on. Right, love to get to it. Just haven't had a chance yet. Oh well, I mean. If you can do, because now that it's finished, we can kind of mm. talk about it. It's basically like two next generation movies back to back and really good ones at that. It yeah. has the feel of like when they took the original Star Trek crew and suddenly just put them in movies like Wrath of Khan. Like, okay. you know, it's like, I won't, I won't give away too much of the plot because I know you're going to watch it. But like, yeah, it does a really good job of like, rebuilding like a star trek type feeling because it's mostly set aboard the ship called the titan Mm. and like it's captained by this wonderful captain shaw who's like a middleman who just wants to do his work and go home and like all these next generation characters keep turning up like we've got to save the world and he's like guys it's nine o'clock remind me just like because I watched the first season of Picard. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't the pilot in that, was he? No, no. no. It's every season of Picard just completely reinvents the wheel. Okay. Like, to the point that this season is actively undoing things in season two. And season I, two yeah. isn't bad by any means. But like, yeah, no, it's a brand new slate. I think they've designed it so that you can just watch it as the next generation series eight and not worry about the rest of it. There are continuities, but like for the most part, that's not the feeling of it, you know? Okay. Because uh, that's, I, I got the impression, because I've, I've only seen, as I said, I've only seen the first season, mm-hmm. but the impression I got there was that they wanted it to both act as, a, as just a, a conduit fan service, just let's get the gang back together and just like see what we can do while also trying to expound on this greater narrative of data's lineage and you know yeah, trying to make I mean, it a like, big but a big budget sci-fi thing yes no it's actually it's very i suppose maybe the term is egalitarian in its use of the characters right. like it doesn't do the thing where like it brings them all in at once every character from the next generation gets a, a chance to shine like the first stretch is just 
Riker and uh, uh, right. Fran's character, Crusher. Oh, like, Crusher. You know, and it's just them. It's She's the one who brings them into it and they have to like hijack some Porsche mode ship to go rescue her. And then like a fair chunk of the series is them being chased by a wonderful new character played by Amanda Plummer. Are you aware of Amanda Plummer? Like as oh, an actor. The name rings a bell. Well, she's Christopher Plummer's daughter for one. That so, might very well be it. <laughs> so you've got you've got that connection because he was the baddie in Star Trek Six. Yeah. Uh, but she's also like I am sorry to shrink down her entire career's body of work. But the big thing I knew her from was Pulp Fiction. She's the one with Tim Roth in the start who robs yes. the cafe. Yeah. Yeah. So she's got this wonderful like I'll put it this way: she turns up in episode two in a big chair with a cigar on the big view screen talking about how she's going to enjoy picking the ship apart bit by bit. Like, she gets the gig. Okay. She's enjoying herself as a villain, you know? Like, it's not it's not totally hammy, but it's big, you yeah, know? There, there, there's, there's character there. Yeah, and they, and they generally bring in the next generation characters one by one, so you get a chance to be excited, see them again. You get a chance to learn where they are in their lives and that kind of stuff. And they all do something significant, you know? And it's not really until the series is kind of well underway that you get them all back together. And the nice thing about it is like, compared to like a Star Wars or something, the characters have like changed and grown a lot, which like makes it really interesting, but not in a way that it doesn't feel like them. Like Jordy's in it and his two kids are aboard the ship okay. that's going into trouble. So like the card's all like, right, let's go save the world. And he goes, well, hang on. Like, I got to drop my kids off here. And they're like, <laughs> We're grown-ups. We don't want to, like, you know. Yeah. So there's, like, that element to it where their priorities are different. Worf is almost completely different. He's chill now. Right. <laughs> he drinks tea and meditates and stuff. Because I will say, like, it, like the part that my favorite, like, the part that stood out for me in the first season was the, just the whole section in the woods with, uh, with yes. Riker and Troy. And I was actually, I was very charmed by their daughter. Yes. Kind of as an extension of the two of them. She uh, isn't in it, unfortunately. No. But what we do get is they have a throwaway line in that episode about how they lost a son due to like android like being banned, that kind of stuff. Some 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 scientific thing. And that's actually a major character beat for Riker, because Riker has to become the captain at one point. And Picard is urging him to do these more dangerous things to save the day. And like Riker's like, no, we gotta get home to my family. Yeah. Like, you know, so all their different priorities are coming into it. Like, you know, so it's, yeah, it's a really solid, like, character thing, but it's still got, like, the action of a movie. Like, I was really enjoying I kept, I'll put it this way, even though I liked the first two series of a card, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. Yeah. And when does this stop being good? And it never happened. Okay. And that was delightful, you know. Okay, yeah, no, that, that sounds great. I'll uh, I'll be sure to pick it up just as soon as I'm done with seven and season of uh, seven seasons of Odo and Quark's Big Day Out. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna have to do Voyager to know what's up with seven and nine and stuff. She's I okay, no, I have yeah. already watched all of them. Oh, okay, That's, okay. I'm on, I'm on top of that. Right, right. Listen, okay, like, I, I, I'm ticking yeah. my way through it. I've already, yeah. I know, I've got Next Generation in the pan. I've got Voyager. Make my way through D six nine. Yeah, I made. Well, that- Give Enterprise a pass. We'll yeah. see. 
Well, I mean, like, we'll see. I haven't been all of Enterprise yet. But actually, just before I move on, like, the nice thing about this one is the breakout characters are, like, all of the new ones. Okay. Which is refreshing. Like, don't get me wrong. All the, all the characters coming back are great. But you've got the likes of Ed Spillier, who... Do you remember the Aragon film? I never... I never had the pleasure. Well, there you go. Like, like he was the lead in that, and it went nowhere. And now he's here as essentially the co-lead with Patrick Stewart. And he's great. Right. He's got this like Han Solo swagger to him. And like there's now all the fans are calling out for not a new Next Generation series, but a new series with this new crew, which is a great like endorsement of like oh, everything. Really? Like I'll put it this way. The show could have been much lazier. Yeah. Could have just brought the Next Generation crew back and slapped an adventure on it and pulled it a day. But they put the work in, and I respect now, that, you know? Now, I will say, I'm glad to hear that, the, that you know, the Star Trek fandom have actually come to a consensus about wanting things. Because that, yes. that's a fandom. <laughs> they don't know what they want. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I like, it's funny that, like, the second, like, the finale came out, they were announcing, like, the Section 31 movie with Michelle Yeoh. And it's like, oh, this feels like, is this a step forward, a step backwards? I don't know. Such a wait and see, like they take, they take it a step. I mean, I think like we we've talked about this. It it really like since Discovery, it feels like they've they've been branching out more than they ever have. Yeah, and really kind of just going for going at it from all angles. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't like this kind of slightly snobbish attitude that like, which I do see online a lot, which is that there were five great Star Trek shows and then Discovery and everything else came along and ruined it. That's not true. Like. Essentially, like behind the scenes on Voyager, and you know, Voyager is great, but behind the scenes, they were calling Voyager like the next generation series eight, like in the production notes and stuff. So there was a kind of factory feel to the way they were doing it back then. And Deep Space Nine, Deep Space Nine pushed the envelope, but it was doing that from within a framework, you know. Yeah. Uh, with, With the current generation of Star Trek, it's more different, which means that when it's bad, it's more bad. Hmm. But the say the opposite is true. Like, I mean, they're getting the characters from lower decks onto strange new worlds. Like, put it that way. And really? one is a cartoon, yeah. and the other is not. That's and I wild. Don't know how they're doing it, and they haven't told me. Because <laughs> that's like, I mean, it also, you know, obviously, the only way they're able to kind of do this at like to the scale they are is because of the proliferation of streaming like star yes. star trek as a show was built on the foundation of uh cable television and syndication and yes. have and that episodic storytelling uh like it's it's like that's i haven't really gotten into it yet because i'm only on like season two but one of the reasons that like deep face nine i think got criticized so heavily is because it leaned into ser into more serial storytelling yeah, yeah that yeah, just yeah wasn't going to work in that format. Yes, but it benefited the most from streaming now. Yeah. Because you can do all of it in a row and yeah. like get the gist of it very quickly. Like, you know. So like that's it's it's now having that that freedom. And again, the freedom to just kind of throw a season out. Yeah. Like whenever you can. Yeah. While like you know, they can they can have like here's our new boundary pushing show. Here yeah. is a remake of the original series, and here's a children's cartoon. Go ham, like <laughs> truly, like pick pick a flavor, because like we're just gonna keep trying, and whatever sticks sticks. Yeah, exactly, and like you know, 
the likes of like Prodigy, the, the kids show, is really good. And it's a pretty halfway decent sequel to Voyager. Mm. But it straddles that line between being a new gateway thing for kids and something for the people who pay, you know, care passionately about Chakotay. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I, like they seem to be doing a really good job of just pulling the most obscure things from the ether. Like there's a really bad Next Generation episode called the outrageous Ocampa. Do you remember this one? Oh, God, yes. You do? Yeah. Okay. Here's how they treat this Rev Reggie. First of all, he turns up as a DJ in Lower Decks for a elite, snobbish captain's party. And then, second of all, he becomes a major character in the second series of Prodigy. Oh, God. For all those kids who care about the outrageous Ocampa. <laughs> But I like uh, that though. I, I like to me, Star Trek's at its most boring when it's like, oh, the Borg are back and they're bigger than ever. No, get Moriarty back. Let's see the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, everybody talks about it, but we all remember that time Paris and Janeway got it on as plugs. As, as lizards. As, as yes. lizards. <laughs> we, that's, that's burned into the memories of Star Trek fans because that's the stuff that we wanted. But that's just it. Like, it does have a feeling like kind of like the Star Trek fans have like taken over in the best way possible. Because mm. like, take the Voyager ones, for example. Like, Seven is being treated like a super serious character in Picard. And then you've got like Janeway and Chakotay being like children's characters over in Prodigy. You've got Tom Paris being made fun of in Lower Decks. Like, they hey, found well, a way to like kind of spread it out across all these things and still keep it kind of feeling consistent you know yeah well i mean for a start paris had a coming but yeah <laughs> uh... well to be fair now in the context of the episode it's boimler the main one wants his plate signed and he keeps failing to get to the bridge and they're all treating tom paris like he's like johnny depp or something because he's like just sitting in doing all the poses and all that kind of stuff you know <laughs> or some big like action star like you know so there are levels of self-awareness like you know okay but it's but it's just mad to me that like you know it's it doesn't escape my mind that like voyager was like the star trek show people probably didn't like back in the day so it's like there's like that element of revisionism going on, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all going to be here when uh, with the launch of 2025, uh, Harry Kim Super Soldier. <laughs> yes, it hasn't escaped my notice that Harry hasn't come back yet. <laughs> he's just having, he's, I think, I think like, of all the Star Trek characters, I think like he is the guy that's just going to go home to his wife and just not <laughs> get in a big adventure. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's a funny thing. Harry and Neelix uh, haven't popped back yet, or Kess, but I don't know what the story is with Kess. I know news what the story with Kess is. No, Neelix, no, I'm no. surprised. Yeah. Neelix, Neelix, like Neelix has, you know what? Prodigy would be a prime ground for Neelix to show up and just be a children's character. I'm amazed Neelix hasn't turned up because that entire series takes place in the Delta Quadrant. Like, oh know. yeah. Uh, I suppose uh, the Doctor as well, but Robert Ricardo is busy. Save him for a special occasion. Fair. Um, but as much as we could wax poetic about Star yes. Trek truly forever, uh, we are out of time for this episode. Sugar, I didn't get to talk about Star Wars, Father, Father Dara. Lovely. There's always next week. There's always uh, next week. And next week you can find us um, on Phoenix 92.5 FM, as always. Uh, or you can find us on our socials, 
on Spotify. Check out our feeds. Uh, you can check out nerdsnowmedia.com, which has our link tree, has all of our links there. And uh, we've also got a Patreon. You can check out there as well. Never, it, it helps to help. Hmm. Um, uh, anything else, Kian? No, I mean, if you want to like check out the, I've written the reviews of all the Picard episodes in total, but most recently this season on Geek Garland, so you can give them a look there. Brilliant. Excellent. Um, and as always then, yeah, we will see you again next week. Have a lovely time. Bye-bye. So you're listening to the podcast, you're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland, how do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to TuneIn and download the app, or you can check out the live streams on nerdthnowmedia.com or phoenix92.5 FM. If you want to get in contact with us, it's very easy. Media everywhere. Media on Twitter. Media Instagram. Media on Twitch. Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email. Hope to hear from you soon. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production. 